Ian McLean, founder of Flow Group and Greenline Conversations. This podcast has grown out of the chaos that's been thrust upon us, and in it, I share the best of 25 years of helping leaders in business organizations deal and cope with change. So, as you're out there, busy making sense of it all, trying to cope, and repurposing your organizations, I'm hoping that some of this will provide some help, some of the time. I'll keep it deliberately short, because I know you're busy. Let's dive in. Consider the following. The quality and situation of your life right now is nothing more than the aggregate of every decision you've ever made. Look, well, it certainly plays a part. And I guess that there have been plenty of sliding doors moments. But ultimately, it's not what happened in those moments, but rather how you responded to what happened in those moments that made the difference. Here's how it works. We're in a situation. Based on the situation, we make a decision. That decision results in a consequence. And that consequence now becomes our new situation. But the only point of leverage we have in the sequence is the decision. Because that's the only moment in the sequence that is in the present moment. Situations in the past and consequences in the future. We believe ourselves to be rational. But rational thought is just one part of our psychological makeup. And that appears on the surface. The other part is what I would loosely describe as emotional. I'm being careful here because that triggers a lot of different things in people's minds. What I mean by that are all the subconscious fears and desires that are dormant just below the surface. The rational and the emotional are competing to varying degrees in every situation and their influence in our choices and our decisions without us even knowing it. Here's an example. You're working fully absorbed on something that's important and that requires solid concentration to complete before a deadline. Suddenly your phone rings. It's an unknown number. Studies show that a high percentage of people interrupt themselves to answer the call. Rationally, this makes no sense whatsoever because the disruption of your deep concentration comes at a high productivity cost. Yet, some underlying desire or fear surfaced in the moment to override the more rational decision. It might be the fear of missing out on some vital information. It could be the need to be liked. It could be the desire to do the right thing just in case. It could be many things. We all do things we shouldn't. We eat things we know aren't healthy. We stay on social media too long. We say things we shouldn't. In short, we all make decisions in the moment that work against us and often without our awareness. No leader sets out to be a bad leader. Yet there are many bad leaders. And they're bad because of the accumulation of choices that they made in the moment, unconsciously, that lead to the wrong outcome or the wrong impact. And the pattern continually repeats itself unless or until it's corrected. I've witnessed so many leaders so often sabotaging themselves in the moment without knowing they were doing it and becoming the unwitting victim of their unconscious selves. I remember a team session where, as a break from the work, the group got together and played a game called Famous Friend. The game was to discover who in the group 
has the most famous person's details amongst their contacts on their smartphone. It turned out that the leader and one other team member both had a very different famous person on their list. And because it's subjective, it proved very difficult to judge who was the most famous. So after a lot of debate, the group was content to move on. But the leader continued to argue their point very strongly, refusing to let up, until the whole group had been cowed into a silence, embarrassed indifference. The leader simply moved on as if nothing had happened. Now, knowing this leader beyond this particular occurrence, I know she genuinely cares about her people. And she does genuinely strive to be a good leader. That's the conscious desire. However, in the moment, something stronger overtook her without her awareness. In this case, her need for status. To be seen as top dog. She won the argument and lost the war. All of us are prone to self-sabotage. As our deep-rooted subconscious needs wrestle silently with our conscious decision-making. It's like the parable, The Ant and the Elephant a book by Vincent Pacente, which describes how a small ant, blown by a strong wind, far away from his colony in a time of drought and scarcity, is trying to make his way to a heavenly oasis. Unknown to the ant is that the wind has blown him onto an elephant. As the ant constantly strives to move towards the oasis, the elephant constantly slows, stalls entirely, or moves in a different direction frustrating the ant, who can't understand why he's failing to progress. Sports psychologist Jamil Qureshi, who's coached six individual sports professionals to become number one in the world, frequently asserts that what separates those who reach number one from their peer group is one thing, a greater self-awareness. This absence of self-awareness in the leader is driving choices and behaviours all the time, leading to places they don't want to go and reputations they don't want to have. And unchecked, as it frequently is, it causes havoc for the teams, departments and organisation. People, as we know, don't leave companies. They leave toxic bosses. And all toxicity derives from unmet unconscious needs fueling the leader's behaviour. The unconscious drivers, prone to sabotaging us in the moment, typically fall into four categories. The need for status, like our famous friend example earlier. The need to be in control. I'll show you who's boss. The need to be liked, which induces wrong-headed decision-making, procrastination, etc. And the need for independence, which often leads to aloofness and disconnection from the crowd. The subconscious drivers typically manifest as a feeling or a sense which we classically either ignore, dismiss, or try to mentally override through conscious rationalization or force of will. It's well described by Morpheus when he first meets Neo in the original Matrix, when he says, you know something. What you know, you can't explain, but you feel it. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind driving you mad. Unfortunately, in this age of reason, big data, algorithms, feelings are often equated with weakness, 
inadequacy, or that you're just not up to the job. I recall clearly a stern, pinstriped executive banker once declaring to me, with cold, sincere candour, when discussing some upset or ill-feeling gathered from a series of focus groups in his department. He said, Let me be clear, there is no place for feelings in the workplace. I suggested, in jest of course, as a concession, that he consider allowing at least one annual bring your feelings to work day. If there has been one positive change that's resulted from the pandemic, it is the higher recognition that wellness, mental health, closely connected to emotional needs, are a real consideration on how we approach our work, and that suppression is no longer an option. Resisting feelings anyway is futile. It's a whack-a-mole game. And they continue to resurface and sabotage you again and again in the future. That which you resist about you persists about you. The best way to reconcile your subconscious drivers is simply to recognize and pay attention to the feeling as it emerges. Just observe it. Witness it. Don't judge it. Get curious and ask yourself, what does the feeling mean? And what's it trying to tell me? Slowly, try to turn your torment into your mentor. The most comforting thing of all, in summary, to remember is that as humans, we have the unique gift of conscious awareness and conscious choice. Probably best summarized by Viktor Frankl in Man's Search for Meaning. In the sentence, in every situation, there's a space. A space between the situation and how to respond. That's it for this episode, which happens to constitute our 50th episode of Leadership in Chaos. If you're interested, all of the work we do developmentally with teams, with organizations, and with culture change is based on all the principles that you have at your disposal during the 50 episodes that I've shared already. So if you're interested in learning more or doing more, get in touch through LinkedIn. In the meantime, stay safe, stay sane, and stay conscious. <laughs>